Good morning. It's, it's good to be here again. Uh, my wife and I serve with REF International, and we are thankful to be your missionaries. Thank you for your prayers and support uh, for our ministry at Johns Hopkins. Uh, and it's, it's an honor to be here this morning because it's a special Sunday. We will have um, ordination and installations of three men to be your officers. Uh, but let, right now, let's look at uh, the Word of God from John chapter 10, verse 1 to 18. John chapter 10, verse 1 to 18. <clears throat> Here Jesus is speaking. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and leads them out. And he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. These figures of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be safe and will go out and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a higher hand and not a shepherd, who does not on the sheep, sees the wolf coming, and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a higher hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father lost me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I receive, I have received from my father. So my sermon title this morning is Learning from the Great Shepherd, Jesus Christ. Uh, when I live in Alabama, I used to take international students on Thanksgiving Day to have a meal at my friend's house. Uh, and the couple who owned the house had a small farm. Um, they had a few lamb and sheep. Now these animals did not want to get close to us, only the, the owners of the house, the couple. So when we tried to walk closer to the lamb and the sheep, and they will just run away. Uh, they were afraid of strangers, and they felt 
defenseless, and they will run away if they saw us or sense anything unusual. They will not confront enemies or dangers because lamb and sheep are weak animals, but they are cute. So when Jesus was teaching here, uh, he, he liked to use illustrations and figures of speech so that the people could understand the point of his teaching. And many people in Israel were shepherds at the time. And here in his teaching, Jesus used a figure of speech about sheep, sheepfold, shepherd, thieves, robbers, and wolves. And Jesus began his teaching by explaining that there are two kinds of people who try to get into the sheep through the sheepfold. Uh, a sheepfold is, is like a fence, a shelter, a place of protection. And the sheep feel safe when they are together in the fold. In verse 1 and 2, Jesus said that there are two kinds of people who try to get into the sheep. First is a thief or a robber who will climb into the fold by another way. And second, the shepherd of the sheep who will enter the fold by the door. In verse 3, Jesus said that the shepherd calls the sheep by name, and the sheep know his voice. What does this mean? This means that there is a personal and close relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. They know each other. Some of you have a dog or, or, a, or a cat at home, right? Your pet knows your voice, so there is somehow a personal and close relationship between you and your pet. If you call your dog by name, the dog will respond joyfully. Um, I don't know about a cat, but a dog is usually happy when it's called by the owner. Uh, but if a friend visits you and has never met the dog before and tries to call the dog by name, and the, no the dog may not respond happily because the dog doesn't know your friend, unless the dog is, is a happy dog and a friendly dog. Jesus says that the sheep recognize the voice of the shepherd and follow him to go out. But if the sheep doesn't recognize the voice, they will not follow the stranger. Now what is it that Jesus wants to teach here through this figure of speech? In verse 6, it tells us that the people who were listening to Jesus, they got confused about this. So Jesus explained to them. What does Jesus say about himself in verse 7? He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Then he says in verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be safe and will go in and out and find pasture. Now what does this mean? Jesus was teaching about God's kingdom and about who he is. He used illustration with spiritual implications. And there is a bigger thing behind the illustration. So here Jesus is speaking of a spiritual sheepfold, which is heaven. Heaven is a place where we feel ultimately safe, safe from sins and from any source of dangers. 
Heaven is a perfect home for us. It is our ultimate home and shipfold where we will live with our shepherd, Jesus Christ, for eternity. Jesus said that he is the door to that perfect home. He is the way for us to get into heaven. And Jesus says in verse 10, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now what kind of life is an abundant life? It is the kind of life that satisfies the very deep of our hearts. It's a joyful life that only Jesus can give us. Deep inside our hearts, each of us, we always long for a better life than what we have now in this world. Life in this broken world is full of struggles and uncertainty. And deep inside our hearts, we long for a perfect home, a perfect place without struggles and worries. We long for a perfect home with perfect joy and complete peace. And that home is heaven, a home to live with Jesus Christ. And Jesus said to us, I am the door. Not one of the doors, but the only door. If you come to me, believe in me, put your trust in me and follow me, I will bring you to that perfect home where, we, where you will have an abundant life. A perfect home that your heart, that your heart really longs for. Jesus said that he is the only door to heaven and all other doors are wrong doors. He came to this world so that we may have a new life in him and have it abundantly. Jesus said that thieves and robbers will come trying to steal and destroy his sheep. They will try to lead the sheep away from the sheepfold and then destroy them. So here, Jesus is speaking about the dangers that we, as God's people, as his people, face in this sinful world. There are many temptations in this broken world that we need to be careful of. Thieves and robbers will try to make the sheep follow them to a wrong and dangerous way. How, this, how does this happen? If you have a dog, have you ever tried to get your dog come to you by offering food or something that is very attractive? And the same way happens to us. There are many temptations in this world that attract our eyes and make us follow a wrong way. And eventually we end up hurting ourselves and sinning against God. How do we fall into temptations? The, the, the process is usually in three simple steps. First, temptation usually starts with suggestive and enticing thoughts in our minds. Temptation usually starts with suggestive and enticing thoughts in our minds. Whatever we see or whatever is presented to our eyes, we see it as something good and we desire to have it. This is how Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit in the Garden of Eden. And this is how, in the Lord of the Rings movie, Gollum and others desire to have the ring. It looks so good, 
so precious. So we must be careful of what we see. The devil can use our weaknesses and this broken world to present something attractive to our eyes and lead us to a wrong and sinful direction and we end up hurting ourselves and sinning against God. Second, temptation, temptation usually involves discussing our thoughts. Temptation usually involves discussing our thoughts. This is what the devil wants. He wants us to discuss the temptation in our minds. That's not so bad. That, that looks so good and so delicious. I think I want to taste it. I wonder how good it is. I think I should have it. The devil wants us to think about these things. What we should do when a tempting thought cross our minds is to immediately reject it. Don't let it stop and sit in our minds. Don't discuss it. Reject it. Third, temptation involves doubting the word of God and desiring for a personal fulfillment. Temptation involves doubting the word of God and desiring for a personal fulfillment. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve discussed their thoughts and felt that God's command was too strict. They turned away from God's goodness and all that God had given them. And they started to think that God had not provided the very best for their life. They were not completely satisfied with what they already had. They wanted more. So they rationalized and justified the taking of the forbidden fruit. And this is where they fail and sin against God. They were led away like sheep out of the sheepfold to a dangerous way. And then they hurt themselves. And they sin against God. God has given us the Bible, His Word. And we must trust God and His Word. The devil is very smart. He will take us to the road of temptation further and further away where we cannot sense the strong warning of God's word and it becomes difficult for us to turn back. Everything starts to get foggy and unclear and then we get lost. We cannot remember the word of God that we have learned and then the devil will say to us, do whatever you want. No one is around you, not even God. Be yourself. Take that fruit. Take whatever it is in front of you. It is good. It will satisfy you. This is a very dangerous lie of the devil. He wants us to think that what we already have from God is not enough. And we need more personal fulfillment and satisfaction outside of God's grace. And we must be careful of the devil's lie. That's why we need to daily read and study the Word of God. It is our spiritual food. So if you take your dog out for a walk and your dog sees a delicious piece of pizza on the street, don't let, don't let your dog eat it because it may be contaminated. So likewise, whatever we see, no matter how good it looks like, 
to our eyes, it may be contaminated with dangerous poison, spiritually speaking. What else does Jesus say about himself? He says in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Notice he doesn't say, I am a good shepherd, but I am the good shepherd. What is the difference? He's saying, I am the only one good shepherd. Now, why did Jesus say that? Are, are all other shepherds not good? Surely there are many good shepherds, you know, good guys, though not perfect. So what does it mean when Jesus says, I am the only one good shepherd? In English Bible, we cannot understand the depth of the words that Jesus used here. But in the Greek Bible, we can. There are two words in the Greek language that is translated good. Agathos and kalos. Agathos and kalos. Agathos is commonly used to, to describe anything that is good. So there are many agathos good shepherds. Do not perfect. But Jesus used the word kalos. I am the kalos shepherd. Kalos means good in the sense of beautiful and perfect. So these three words, good, beautiful, and perfect, that's what kalos means. Jesus said that he is the good, beautiful, and perfect shepherd. And he proves it. How? He said that the kalos shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus was willing to sacrifice himself and to lay down his life to protect the sheep. Jesus was willing to die for us. Why? So that we can live and not die. The good, beautiful, and perfect shepherd loves his people and is willing to sacrifice himself for his people. In verse 12, Jesus said that he is different than a higher hand. A higher hand is a temporary worker who is hired by the owner to help taking care of the sheep. But what happens when wolves come to attack? They run away. They don't care about the sheep. What do they care about? Only themselves. They just work for money. They just care for money. They are not willing to fight the wolves and sacrifice their life for the sheep. But the good and beautiful and perfect shepherd is willing to protect the life of the sheep to the point of his own death. And Jesus pointed to himself and said in verse 14 and 15, I am that good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. So Jesus is saying that he knows his own sheep and the sheep know him. There is a personal and close relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. 
but there is no personal and close relationship between a higher worker and the sheep. Here, the higher workers represent false religious leaders, false deacons and elders who are not willing to die for the people. They do not have a personal and close relationship with the people. But Jesus is more than just a religious leader. He is the only religious leader who knows us by name and who has laid down his life for us on the cross for the punishment of our sins as our substitute. Jesus knows us just as the Father knows him and he knows the Father. And that is the comparison that Jesus is giving us here. In, in the Bible, knowing means having a personal relationship. And Jesus tells us, I knew you even before I formed you in your mother's womb in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. So if you have Jesus as the love of your heart, you can bear any struggles in your life. Any wolf that may come to your life, spiritually speaking. Why? Because Jesus is your good, beautiful, and perfect shepherd. He shepherds you. He protects you. And he loves you so much. And he knows you by name. In verse 16, Jesus said that he has other sheep that he must bring to him also. Here, Jesus is saying that his people are not only the Jewish people, but people from all nations, us. And he will bring all his people to him, and they will listen to his voice. They will listen to his voice. What does this mean? It means that he will speak to you in your heart, calling you by name to come to him. And he is not like any other religious teachers who teach you about life, what you should do and not do. Jesus is different. Before he teaches us about life and what we should do and not do, he wants to have a personal and close relationship with us. He calls you by name in your heart. He is calling you to come to him. And if you do hear him, please respond to his calling and come to him. And he will show you that he has laid down his life for you dying on the cross for the punishment of all your sins against God as your substitute. Either you understand this or not, he loves you and he cares for you. He is your good, beautiful, and perfect shepherd. Jesus came from heaven so that we may have a new life with him and have it abundantly. Christianity is not only about religion. It's about having a personal and loving relationship with Jesus. And Jesus initiates that relationship with us. He gathers us to himself. He calls us by name in our hearts. And Jesus always speaks to us in our hearts, guiding our life. And we need to to listen to his voice and his guidance and to keep our eyes fixed on him. There are so many temptations in this world, and the devil wants us to see many things 
and we must be careful. Let us not fix our eyes on something else but on Jesus Christ alone. He is the founder and perfecter of our faith. He is the good, beautiful, and perfect shepherd of our lives. Fix our eyes on him. Psalm 23 that we just read is written by King David and is fulfilled by Jesus Christ. It describes about Jesus and his sheep. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I have all that I need. He makes me lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is fulfilled because we have the good and beautiful and perfect shepherd, Jesus Christ. So here are some applications from this text that we can learn from Jesus, the great shepherd. I will give these applications particularly for church leaders for deacons and elders, but the principles here can be used for anyone in leadership positions. Either you are a Bible study teacher, a leader in children's ministry, a music team leader, or even a volunteer leader for a nursery or any ministry programs. So here, first, good shepherds know their sheep. Good shepherds know their, their sheep. As leaders and officers of the church, you need to know your people. Knowing means having a personal and close relationship with. If you want to be a church officer, especially an elder, then you need to have a genuine desire to know and shepherd the members of this church. You cannot shepherd them very well if you do not know them and they do not know you. How do you try to get to know them? You can go to their homes and visit them. Don't wait for them to come to church and to meet you, but go and see them personally. Like a shepherd trying to see a sheep, it is an active act and not a passive act. This will prove that you love them genuinely. Then see if they have any needs. So by meeting and talking with them personally, you will find their needs. Perhaps they have physical needs. Perhaps they need words of encouragement. Perhaps they simply need a friend, especially a mature Christian brother. And by talking with them, you will know them better and better. You will know their life, their family, their children, their jobs and struggles. Then you can pray for them and pray together with them. You need to call them to praying for and with them over the phone together. There are two books that you need to have on your desk at home. First one is the Bible. Second is the church membership directory. 
This can be a simple booklet or a spreadsheet that has the name of the church members, including their children and their contact information. This will be the two most important books of your life. Pray for them regularly and pray in your, in your prayer time. Pray for them, asking the Lord how to help them, get to know them, and love them genuinely. Second, good shepherds feed their sheep. Good shepherds feed their sheep. We see in the text here that Jesus brought the sheep to green pasture. Shepherds of the church need to feed the church members with the word of God. Teach them the Bible. This is their only healthy food, spiritually speaking. Teach them good biblical doctrines. Have expository Bible study meetings and teach them the whole counsel of God. So besides Sunday morning sermon, at least once a week, have a Bible study meeting. You can also do a women's Bible study group, a men's Bible study group. Feed the sheep with the word of God. That's the point. Feed the sheep with the word of God. Otherwise, they will feed themselves with playing video games or watching Netflix. Feed the sheep with the word of God. Give them some homework to prepare for Bible study and encourage them to read the Bible every day. Before Jesus went back to heaven, he spoke to Peter and he asked Peter three times, do you love me? Three times. And Peter said, yes, Lord. Then Jesus said, feed my lamb, tend my sheep, and feed my sheep. Feed God's people since they are young in faith, lambs, or new believers and continue feeding them as they grow to be sheep and keep feeding them with the Word of God. The Word of God is our spiritual food and only by the Word of God we are sanctified. Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. Without feeding on His Word, we will not be fruitful Christians. We will be weak and easily fall into temptations. And only by consuming the word of God daily, we abide in Christ and are nourished spiritually by him and become fruitful Christians. As Jesus said, abide in me. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So know your sheep, feed your sheep. The third one, good shepherds protect and defend their sheep. Good shepherds protect and defend their sheep. Good shepherds will not run away when wolves come to attack the sheep. Good shepherds will protect and defend their sheep to the point of sacrificing their life, their time, their energy, We have three enemies in this, the devil, the flesh, and the world. The flesh is our own sinful nature that is still attached to our own body and soul. The world is this sinful and broken world. The devil, or the evil one, is using our sinful nature and this sinful world to attack us 
and to make us fall into temptations and to sins against God. Every day we have spiritual battles against the power of evil and darkness. As shepherds of God's people, make sure you know your sheep well and what temptations, what spiritual battles that they are facing. Know what kind of wolves they are dealing with in their daily life. Help them bear their burden, protect them, and defend them from the evil one. Our world and society are becoming more and more anti-God, anti-Christ, and anti-Christian. Apostle Peter wrote 1 Peter. 1 Peter is, is written to Christians in Roman provinces. They're scattered. They're being persecuted. And Christians faced persecution from the Roman Emperor Nero, who was known to burn Christians alive. And many Christians had died when Peter wrote his letter, and then others were living in danger. So Peter encouraged, encouraged them to trust God, the creator and the keeper of their souls. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1 to 11, Peter wrote, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God will have you, not for a shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourself, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you when He returns, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself Restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. So elders and deacons, know your church members. Feed them with God's word. Serve them, protect them, and defend them. And Christ himself, our great shepherd, will shepherd you and watch over you as you shepherd and watch over his people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for sending your Son to save us. Lord Jesus, 
Thank you for being the good, beautiful, and perfect shepherd for us. Thank you for watching over our life and protecting us as your people. Help us to be faithful to you and to glorify your name through all the things we do. Help us to love one another so that the world may know that we are your people by our love. In your name we pray. Amen.